This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross. Thank you for listening. Today, we're going to talk about divorce. And before we dive into the guest and what I think was a really helpful and practical conversation, I want to be really clear about my intention here. Today's episode is meant to start a conversation in your community about how you help the kids in your context navigate a significant life transition that impacts roughly half of all households. The reality is that this is a conversation that we as a collective church aren't having in a way that reflects just how prevalent an issue divorce is. Having said all of that, we obviously aren't going to unpack all of the nuance here because this is such a complex issue. And this conversation is intentionally hyper-focused on how we as loving, caring adults can help kids who are coming from divorced families. To help us do all of that, my guest is Tammy Daughtry. Tammy is the founder of Co-Parenting International. She's an author and an expert that you can learn more about in the show notes today. But more than anything, Tammy is a champion for kids, just like you. She starts this conversation sharing a bit of her own story. And I thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I'm a product of a divided family. Um, But some of the good news around that is that both parents stayed lovingly engaged. And so um, having grown up in that, my number one goal is to never, ever, ever be a divorced parent. Uh, But 21 years ago, I I faced a fork in the road after eight years of marriage, five years of counseling, and and truly uh, wanting us to stay a healthy family. Uh, But I became a co-parent. And so my daughter, who is um, now almost 22, a beautiful, loving adult, and she is thriving. She loves Jesus. Um, Years ago, I was a single parent just getting started and trying to find my way. How in the world do I co-parent? How do I come alongside and really cheer for her dad? Because we both love Jesus. We both loved our daughter. And to be honest, I wanted to create something to help other people around the world who love Jesus and love their kids but find themselves in a divided family to help them have a roadmap to communicate, strategize, and raise well-adjusted kids who do not have to be defined by the fact that their mom and dad are divorced, Mm. but they can be defined by their faith in Christ and a hopeful life ahead. And so I'm excited to say that that little girl, like I said, is now 22, almost getting married. She's got four parents. Uh, She has a wonderful godly stepmother who's been in her life since she was five. And she has a wonderful, loving stepdad who's been there since she was nine. And so if you were to meet her, she'd say, you know, I'm, I have four parents and six step siblings and a really big family. And that has been our personal goal for decades. And so professionally back in 2003, I started producing events for uh, divided families, started speaking about this and eventually uh, wrote a book called co-parenting works, helping kids thrive after divorce. Um, I'm just grateful for Christian ministries and organizations that recognize the need in today's family that unfortunately, uh, mom and dad don't always stay under one roof, but mom and dad, or at least one parent can stay deeply consistent and stable in that child's life. And that kids can grow up whole and healthy despite a complex family. Anyway, that's a long answer to your question, but, um, I am a, a champion for kids and started this ministry to help Uh, be a voice for kids and then help moms and dads who have a complicated parenting journey. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. 
I wanted to start there because I think it's critically important for anyone who's listening to this, who maybe their story sounds like your story, that they never feel like they are alone. And I hope that as people engage in this, who maybe they aren't coming from a context where either they grew up in a household that was impacted by divorce or their current household has been impacted by divorce. I hope those folks walk away with a ton of ways to help love this community well. Little things like being open to communicating with two households Mm. about events and about content and material. That was so helpful because it just, it helped her succeed at what she was trying to learn if we both knew what was happening. So it's the little things like that, that leaders can do. Um, really, I think two things can happen. You're helping the child succeed, but one of the biggest places people wrestle with their faith is on the other side of divorce. Mm-hmm. And if a, an Awana leader who maybe doesn't know one of the parents well, because they're not in that church, but if they make an attempt to at least invite them into the celebrations and to some of the events that are appropriate for parents, that can really help be, um, it can be a calming, grace-filled experience for them that maybe they're wrestling with, does God, what does God think of me now that I'm divorced? What does yeah. the church think of me now that I'm divorced? And it can help dismantle those labels and help hurting parents realize that, you know, we love all, you know, if the, if the Awana leaders can reach out and be that loving ex- expression of Jesus, that could be part of the journey of somebody wrestling through their, their, their faith mm-hmm. when they're going through probably the darkest season of their life. So it's those touch points of grace and an invitation for single moms and stepmoms and single dads and stepdads that, that helps them recognize, wow, this church is very open and loving and, and I'm not an outcast because I don't go there. Right. Um, and they recognize that my child has two homes and, and they actually invite me into the appropriate times and spaces for parents. That's one of the most powerful ways I think, Awana leaders can build a bridge and and help be the gospel uh, when people are going through hard things. Yeah, that's good stuff, Tammy. I want to call out a couple of things from your response there, though, because the first and perhaps most obvious thing, but I think it's important to state plainly, is you don't have to be an Awana leader to do any of the things that Tammy just said. I believe we are called to be loving, caring adults to any and every child in our community. And therefore, it is not at all a limited calling to a particular curriculum. And everyone I know that works here at Awana would tell you the same thing. The second thing is something that stands out to me about your story is you were raised in a divided family. Then you wound up raising one of your own kids in the context of a divided family. And now you're helping other families navigate that journey. And I would love to spend a lot of time unpacking sort of how we as a society got to this place of the cliched statistic of half of all marriages end in divorce. But what I think might be a more helpful conversation is what has changed since you went through this experience as a child to when you were going through this experience as a parent to now where you are an advocate in this space? Sure. Well, what's different now than then, I think, you know, unfortunately there still is a bit of a stigma about divorce and, and parenting after divorce. And, but what I say to 
to church leaders especially, the greatest thing you can do, you don't have to have a theological discussion with these parents. If you will just love them and let them know that they are welcome and their kids are welcome. And some churches are proactive, really thinking strategic about how to connect with their community and reach single parents. And, you know, there are a lot of other programs that have great uh, resources for parents and for kids. And, and so, you know, but just being relevant to your community could mean that you, you know, you go, let's say to a pregnancy center in your community and you build a bridge with them and you say, Hey, what can we do to come alongside the, the young families or the whatever families that come through mm-hmm. your doors and be a connecting bridge for them to have a landing spot for mom, kids, and, and the dad to continue to grow. I mean, there's some great ways that organizations and churches can work together and meet the need of helping the relevant needs today. So I would say the church collectively is many times doing a fabulous job of showing grace and being welcoming to those single parents and step parents that, that are not in intact families. Well, I'm encouraged to hear that you feel like there's at least been some level of movement away from a stigma around this conversation towards grace. I also think that it's critical that folks hear the potential that you laid out for how making a child feel like they belong has a lifelong impact for any kid, but particularly a kid coming from a divided family. Whether that's a kid who a leader might see only a few times a year, like you when you were a child, Tammy, or a kid like your own kids who they saw every week, or probably kids that you see in your current ministry context that you're only seeing ever so often. You can make an impact that will last for the rest of that child's life. And it reminds me, my wife and I have been foster parents, and a lot of the training is focused on how you as a foster parent relates to the child's biological family. Because it is in the best interest of the child to honor the birth family as much as possible. Because as much regardless of how different the circumstances are for that child in your home compared to their birth family's home or the relative's home, they will want to feel like you are honoring their birth family well on a deep biological level. And I'm looking at your website. You have a resource, One Heart, Two Homes. And it strikes me that it's a it's critically important for the church to love both of the child's homes well. Because a child will pick up on that. A child will understand if there's any sort of favoritism or communication gaps that one parent is having to deal with over another parent. Um, you, you talked about you know passing this work up to leadership. I think there's a ton of roles there and a ton of work there to be done by senior leaders. But I want to start on the ground. Let's say there's someone who's new to this conversation. You know, it's a children's ministry leader who is walking with a family through a fresh divorce. What are some things that a leader should be looking for and how can a leader respond best for the sake of the child? Mm. Well, I think when um, being, well, two things, one is being proactive like you would with any kid, you know, Hey, tell me about your family, right? Tell me, can I know, would you tell me more about your family? It could be the an opening question for a kid to have a safe place to talk about that. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes some of the content that may come back might be a bit, um, uh, might be a little overwhelming to hear. And, you know, and I'm not saying the leaders need to, to turn into therapists, but when you, when we ask those questions and we listen and just reflect back, if you hear a child say, you know, my, my mommy and daddy are separated, my mommy and daddy are divorced, you know, asking them, well, what, what does that mean to you? How, um, what is your, you know, what's your home like with mom? What's your home like with dad and, and helping them know that it's okay to talk about both. I would say for leaders, you know, to just realize that probably at least half of the kids are coming to you from an um, complex family and they, you know, when you ask about, Hey, tell me about your family. And if you, you know, leave that door open to let them come back to you and talk about those things. Sometimes that can, you might be the only safe adult that they feel like they can actually say, you know, when I'm, when I'm at dad's, I really miss my mom. When I'm at mom's, I really miss my dad. Yeah. And yeah. just being a place they can be heard and, and feel safe to talk. I think that is one of the most kind and grace-filled moments that a leader can give a child. You know, as someone who is in charge of exactly nothing that Awana makes beyond this podcast, let me just say that by following some of the practical steps that you just laid out there, Tammy, that is effective discipleship. I would hope that any curriculum is sort of the last thing on someone's mind, regardless of how much a curriculum gets accomplished, we as a community of loving, caring adults have to prioritize child discipleship. And what you just laid out there, Tammy, that is a way to do that. You know, it's almost cliche to say that 50% of marriages end in divorce, but there's data to show that that's around where we still are. So my personal challenge to those of you who are listening that operate in a ministry context. I just want to ask you the question, are you talking about this issue? Are you praying about this issue? Are you equipping others in your ministry to handle this issue in a way that is indicative of how prevalent divorce is? Again, this is just my personal opinion here, but if there was any other thing that was impacting approximately one out of every two kids, we would probably talk about it more as a church than we do about divorce. And there's a ton of complications there, but you know, Tammy, there's a simplicity to what you're describing, which I so appreciate because I think it's the difference between walking through this experience with kids versus walking through this experience with adults. All that we are asking is that you listen to a kid really listen to them. And since I know that you're still listening to me right now, I know that you have all that you need to listen to a kid. And the church being a place that a kid can belong. And even like we said earlier, making those intentional connection points with the parents, that sense of belonging. If there's ever a time in our the history of our world, now is the time for the church to be the place that every family feels like they can belong. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awana. Our kids are in a faith crisis and need your help now. We need your best gift to reach even more kids with the gospel and further child discipleship, both in the U.S. 
and around the globe. Awana works, even in the face of aggressive secularism. And the time to give is now. Give today at awana.org slash donate. So one of the things, again, especially for those junior high and high school kids, um, you know, you don't have to be a theologian to help them wrestle through their faith. But if you, you know, were to ask questions like, you know, is there anything about um, your walk with God that you have big questions on? Um, mm. You know, I may not have all the answers, but what are some of your big questions? And kids in divided homes, you know, there could be a, a million and one things they say, but one of the most common things might be, well, you know, and, and I don't want to pick on one side or the other, but, you know, they might say something like, well, you know, this parent is all about church and da da da, da and this parent says it's all a lie, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm being brainwashed. What do I do with that? Yeah. And, and I can tell you that, you know, for leaders, that might be a deer in the headlights moment themselves. Like, I don't know what to do with that. But figuring out a way to allow kids to have those open-ended conversations with you can really help you figure out, you know, what are their presuppositions? Where are their concerns? You know, where does Christianity not really make sense to one of their parents? Because that's a big voice in their life. Mm-hmm. And again, being able to say, you know, up front, I may not know how to answer your questions today, but what are some of those big questions you might have about God and about the church? And when they come up like that, being able to say, you know, I appreciate your honesty and I'm going to really think and pray on this. And I want to have a follow-up conversation with you. Right. And then as a leader or a volunteer, you, you call another leader, you call somebody else and wrestle with it. How do we, not that we have all the answers, but how do we help this kid? Yeah, because that could be such a significant help to them not walking away when they get to college. Right. Because if one family is really active and one is adamantly against it, that divided self and that divided faith almost, you know, kids in divided homes, a lot of times play what I call the expected role. Right. Hmm. When they're at one house, they play along with the rules and the expectations or if, you know, that, let's say one parent is adamantly, you know, church is a joke and, and you don't believe everything that other parent says. So that kid's going to play along with that, what's expected of them in that area. Yeah, yeah you're, right, you're right. Yeah, I, I hate going to church, right? They may say that when they don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. And then at the other home, you know, they are fully involved. They love being in church. They love that this, this parent actually, you know, takes them to all these things and is fostering their faith. And so there may be even a blind spot for that Christian parent to reckon, to not even know how divided they feel in their faith because of the difference at the other house. So I think one of the things we often wind up doing on this podcast is just simply shifting expectations or even shifting priorities. Barnard Research has data to suggest that a person's worldview is shaped by the age of 13. So if they're older than 13... You know, there's no shortage of what God can do, but it's going to require more and more miraculous work from him the longer we wait to engage in child discipleship. The show notes today have links to Co-Parenting International, and I would highly encourage you to check it out, regardless of what your current relationship is to this conversation around divorce. So, like we've said, you've had three different generations of experience around the issue of divorce ranging from you as a child to you as a parent to you now working with the kids today what have you seen churches do that was 
most impactful? You've listed out a bunch of really practical, awesome steps that people can take. What have you seen that has really counted at any stage of life that you've been in? I can tell you one of the most significant moments in my journey, and it was before the divorce was even final. I got a couple cards in the mail, one from the pastor's wife and and one from a leader. And they weren't worded the same, but it was something around the message of, you know, I, I don't really know what to say. I'm not, you know, I think one of them is short little card from the pastor's wife. And it said, and Tammy, I wanted to write you and tell you, I've been praying for you. And, you know, she named the other, you know, my daughter's dad, myself, and, um, and my daughter, you know, been praying for all of you. I love you. I don't necessarily have any answers or, or even want to ask hard questions, but I want you to know I'm praying for you and I love you. Mm. And I sat in my kitchen table and wept because I felt seen. I felt valued. You know, that little card was a safe way to say, I love you and I'm praying for you. And because sometimes what happens when we're, you know, we might be in a very vibrant church. And in our case, we were high level leaders involved in a ton of cool ministries. And a lot of people didn't know what to say. So they pulled back and said nothing. Mm -hmm. And when people pull away, it feels so isolating. And though they're not always being judgmental or they're not being unkind, they just, they don't know what to say. So they don't want to say anything because they don't want to say the wrong thing. Those cards that showed up in my mailbox with a kind word, a a word of hope, I'm praying for you. I know the Lord is going to carry you through this. They didn't try to define for me what this was, but just, I know the Lord is with you. Those kinds of things made a huge difference in my life. And so, you know, and and even in today, we barely ever write handwritten notes anymore. (laughs) And I think a note in the mailbox, when you go to pick up all the bills and the junk mail, to see a little card that is full of love and compassion and a word of, of acknowledgement that, you know, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you in this journey, a vague comment, but a kind comment can really go a long way. Um, the other thing I, um, you know, the church, well, th- several churches were offering divorce care and a lot of people had said, Hey, you ought to check that out. And, and I'm a huge advocate for them. I talk about them in the book. Actually, Steve Grissom wrote the forward to my book, you mm-hmm. know, people pointing me to something where I could go deeper and, and had a kind way to say that, you know, Hey, you know, our church has this class or, you know, it said that other churches too, just kind of opening the door that there are ways to find hope and support. I might not be the one who walks you through that, but let me point you to some resources. You know, that was very loving and very appreciated. And then I'll say one of the most painful seasons of the first two years for any single parent. Hmm is figuring out what you're going to do with the holidays when your kiddos are away. And I can tell you that being invited to another family's home at Thanksgiving and Christmas made such a difference for me Mm. because there were a few of those big holidays the first couple of years where, well, even when Angelia was with me, we might not necessarily have had the money to travel and all of our extended family was out of state. And so there were a couple of times that there were friends in the church that just checked in. Hey, Tammy, would you like to come have Thanksgiving with our family? Would you, you know, and there was a time I said, um, yes, <laughs> you know, and I was kind of surprised by it because they're a big family. And I'm like, where am I going to fit into that? 
And they're like, well, your daughter's invited. If you know any other single parents you want to bring with you. And I was like stunned. Mm. Oh, this family is going to open their table to us. I barely knew that family, but it made such a joyful day for us, which could have been a very lonely day. One church that I was part of as a single mom, uh, they were so extraordinary. And they did a thing called a double lunch every, every month. It was like the third Sunday every month, this huge married Sunday school class that had like 30 couples in it would bring a double lunch to the fellowship hall. And all the couples would sit together in fellowship, but they would provide food for the single parents and their kids. Mm. And there was a program. There was no big organization. It was just a double lunch. And it became such a beautiful blessing to the single parents in that church. And I mean, it for years, it continued um, even after I was involved. And all it took was one champion in a Sunday school class to say, hey, what if we did this once a month? We'd get to hang out and eat and have fun but we could really bless our single parents and their kids. And ironically, it's at a double lunch that the Lord brought my current husband and I together. He was a widower. (laughs) I thought it was a single mom's event and it's just a funny story, but that was the space that the Lord allowed us to meet. And it it wasn't ever set up as a dating lunch. (laughs) Right, right, right. Um, This was an authentic opportunity for single parents to be together. And, um, and it was, it was so beautiful and so great to have fellowship like that and to know that we didn't have to go home and cook. We didn't have to clean up and we could simply sit and relax and love each, you know, build loving relationships together. And that, that, that Sunday school class really valued us being part of the church. And that wasn't around a holiday. It was just the third Sunday every, every month. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lastingfaith today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.